Well, thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Jacqueline Peterson, and you're listening to Government Compliance, where we take federal contractors and subcontractors through the current trends of affirmative action planning, equal employment opportunity, and the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs. Today, we have expert Ahmed Yunis, president and CEO of HR Unlimited. Ahmed has built human resource infrastructures for small-sized companies to Fortune 500 companies. He's worked for the OFCCP, enforcing compliance as a district director, and he regularly delivers webinars, workshops, and on-site training to enhance awareness for compliance, and he does a little affirmative action planning. Ahmed, you pretty much do it all. We're excited to have you here with us today. So we want to talk a little bit about OFCCP and sort of take the perspective of friend or foe. Ahmed, you've been in the government compliance arena for quite some time now. What is your take on how employers should best approach being a federal contractor and subcontractor in regards to complying? Thanks, Jacqueline, for having me here with you. I want to address, you know, OFCP, friend or foe first. Bottom line is, you know, the enforcement agency, the OFCP, its mission is really to enforce for the benefits of job seekers and wage earners. The contractual promise of affirmative action and equal employment opportunity required of those who do business with the federal government. That's the mission of the OFCP. There is no really black and white answer to whether they are friend or foe. They are just there to do their job and just make sure that, you know, those who do business with the government are in compliance and that's their job. And by the way, the OFCP has, and I'm not sure if a lot of contractors or many con- contractors is aware, are aware of this, that the OFCP has its own technical assistance program, which really includes a number of webinars to help you know, the contracting community understand the, the regulations that affect them. That said, what I want to do also here is to address your question, you know, the best approach, uh, right. Jacqueline being a federal contractor or subcontractor with regards to complying. The best approach here is this. It's common sense. You do business with the government, which means more money coming into your revenues. Compliance, look at it as an investment. It's not a cost. It's really investment in order to obtain that return on investment, which is the business with the government. So simply, it is an easy really way to uh, approach that compliance need here by being prepared. You need to understand your obligations as a contractor or a subcontractor required to have an affirmative action program. And then you really work on covering all of these compliance and apply the best practices in your Mm -hmm. workforce so that you can be prepared at all times, you know, without any kind of scrambling. Oh, I received a scheduling letter. Oh, what, what am I going to do? What, what are my obligations? Educate mm-hmm. yourself, understand your obligations, get ready. And you know, getting ready is, is just having the best practices in, in, in your organization. It is a business decision. Sure. So now, the other thing that I also want to mention to you, just anecdotal here, is that I was listening to Howard Schwartz, the founder and the CEO of uh, Starbucks. Sure. And a presentation for him at UCLA uh, Anderson Business School of Business. And he made a, a remarkable, really, comment there that surprised me. 
as a person who has spent his career years in, in human resources. He said, if I was starting a company today and I mm-hmm. was asked, what is the most important position that needs to be hired? I think this will surprise you, he said. It is not manufacturing. It is not marketing. It is not IT. It is none of that, he said. The most important person to hire is the head of human resources. And more often than not, that's the person that gets hired last. The HR component and precisely the compliance component really needs to be integrated in the management structure of a company to ensure best practices, competitiveness, and compliance proof. Mm -hmm. That's the best approach. Understand that compliance really makes business sense. See, when you go to the government and bid for a contract with them, bid for a business with them, you need to expect that there will be some compliance requirements, there will be some obligations in order to have this money in your revenues and increase your profitability as a result. So that's the best approach. And and so you talked a little bit about business sense, best approach, obviously preparing, practicing, you know, use that technical assistance that OFCCP offers, consider hiring HR as maybe the first person of your organization. So it's got, it's building that fundamental basis for the organizations. But going back to you were saying that it just, it's, it's smart business, it makes business sense. I want to talk a little bit about what that really means for a company's internal customers, their external customers. Why is it so important for contractors, and not even contractors, just organizations in general, that their internal customers, that being their employees, actually mirrors the diversity of their external customers? Again, and that's going to come from, you know, starting with HR and making sure that they're knowledgeable in, you know, in how to hire the right people. Why is that so significant? It is so significant, and it is smart policy to really enhance your diversity in your workforce. I have read some theses that proven that there is a direct correlation between the diversity of your workplace and the demographics out there you know, that represent uh, your customers. In fact, one of the theses that I really encourage you to read, uh, the audience, belongs to or conducted by Professor uh, Cedric Herring, who is a professor of sociology and public policy at the University of Illinois. He conducted the thesis that was entitled, Does Diversity Pay Race, Gender, and the Business Case of Diversity? He concluded that there is a direct correlation between racial, gender, workforce diversity, and the business organization's sales revenue, turnover, rates, and productivity. Specifically, he found that a 1% higher in diversity will translate into 9% increase in sales. That's his thesis, and it was based on facts. He also found that a high-diversity organization will likely to keep 11 more employees for every 50 and realize 22% savings in replacement costs. Just imagine Imagine when you hire someone and all of a sudden just leaves you, go somewhere else, and you have to replace someone. How much is going to cost you to do that, to replace that individual? Furthermore, higher diversity will likely to result in 22% higher productivity as such, having 61 employees for the price of 50. 
if you know what I mean by that. The more right. racial gender workforce diversity a business organization has, the greater that business organization profits compared to its competitors. Diversity absolutely has a direct effect on your bottom line of your business. And you've worked with many federal contractors, subcontractors over the years, helping them navigate, you know, the regulatory environment. Obviously, diversity is going to play a huge role with the federal contractors. Like you said, doing business with the government, there's going to obviously be some sort of direction. But as you just shared, even in just this smart business because of the impact that it'll have. Going back to contractors that you're helping, subcontractors that you guys help, you're going to get some contractors that have different perspectives. Some might take a more cynical approach. Some might take a more positive approach. What can you tell us, the listeners out there, about the contractors who seem to have an easier time with compliance or, or seem to get it a little bit quicker? What are they doing differently? Again, our listeners, you know, they want to know what they can do. So how are they approaching the obligations? What can sort of help them navigate that regulatory environment a little bit easier? This is an excellent question because management support is so vital in order to make compliance easier for their organizations. For example, if I'm an HR of uh, organization ABC and I have full support by leadership of this organization, compliance will be easy for me to implement and plan for as well. Also, integrating the compliance component in the business strategic plan, it makes sense. That way you give it that priority it deserves. If people understand that Getting money from the government really <laughs> requires some obligations, their moral obligation and, and corporate responsibility, the compliance can be easier on them to, to implement. Now, let me say this. What if you're not in compliance? What if you don't give that importance that compliance deserve to it? Say you receive a scheduling letter from the OFCP, and all of a sudden you find out that oh my God, I'm, I'm two years late in sure. updating my affirmative action plan or haven't, any, uh, haven't even kept my records. Well, I have gone through these scenarios with a number, many clients. Unfortunately, it was a bad experience for them because one, they had to scramble to get things done and submit it to the OFCP in a matter of 30 days. That's number one. Number two, when the investigation takes place on site, the compliance officers smell the deficiencies and the, the business didn't really give that importance to the compliance issues. And the audit will take for almost forever <laughs> to end. So just imagine the consultants, the, the contractor will bring in to help and the attorneys, the contractor will bring in to help. All of this costs money. Not only that, but the internal staff that spends some, some time to the audit away from their really daily job or task or responsibilities, all of this costs money, prohibitive cost, uh, by the way. Mm -hmm. So those contractors that you know, seem to have an easy time with, with compliance, they understand, they understand the consequences of not being in compliance. And, and okay. that's why they give it that importance. So they're a little bit more proactive about, like you said earlier, you know, the preparations, the practices, 
practicing, knowing, you know, how to reach out to OFCCP for that technical assistance. What sort of final tips do you have for our listeners out there, you know, to walk away from listening to us today? What sort of advice, if you will, would you give them if they are contractors or if they're thinking about being a contractor in preparation? My final tip is to consider compliance really as a moral responsibility for your organization and also approach compliance from a business perspective. And that can really help you and help management to stand by you if you approach compliance from business perspective. An organization goes through an audit and unprepared, and I have gone through this experience and I'll give you a scenario. That scenario was as such. The organization, which was really a big organization, went through the audit unprepared and they had some policies and practices that were unchecked, unexamined. And the leadership was kind of like, oh, it's one of these things, one of these audits, you know, just whatever, get an attorney, get a consultant to help and, you know, they will go away. This is not really the way to approach compliance because, look, you have to be the owner of the compliance and policy and practice it in your organization. Nobody else can help you correct this or make it right, you know, even a consultant. Consultant can recommend, can help with advice, attorneys as well. But, you know, if the damage is already done, uh, it's too late. So what, what is my point? So that client, a long time ago, went through the audit, didn't really give that importance to the, the issue here, and they got a financial settlement. And that financial settlement was a public information. So imagine the damage of the public image mm-hmm. of the company, which is really, really a goodwill of the organization. If you are an accountant, you understand what I'm talking about. A goodwill is a financial monetary value that is there in the balance sheet of any organization. That goodwill, because of the public image damage, can be diminished. So my tip here is this. Deal with compliance from a business perspective so that your management and leadership can have easy time understanding it. All right. Well, that does it for today's show, Government Compliance. If you want to connect with Ahmed Yunis, you can email him at ayunis, that's A-Y-O-U-N-I-E-S, at hrunlimitedinc.com. And continue listening to localjobnetwork.com radio for your latest employment-related programs. And if you have comments, suggestions, or questions, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. I'm Jacqueline Peterson for LGN Radio, and thanks for listening.